Welcome to the Scale Without Burnout podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Silito. This podcast is a result of my purpose to help ambitious business owners like you avoid stress, overwhelm, and burnout in the workplace. In this podcast, I share everything I've learned about how to grow a profitable business, stay fit and healthy, maintain strong relationships, and develop the right mindset for success. So you can thrive, feel inspired, and work at your full potential. Today, I am going to talk about how to get your 21-year-old body back in your 40s, 50s, 60s, and beyond. Now, if you've been all in in your business, you've been focused on your career, there's a very good chance that you let your health slip, your well-being, whether it's physical, mental well-being, but maybe your waistline has got wider, uh, you're starting to feel some aches and pains, you're wondering why these, where these pains are coming from, you just put it down to your age. And it doesn't have to be that way, I promise you. And what I'm gonna share with you today is some insight, and you might wanna consider some of the things that I did to overcome inflammation, to manage my weight effortlessly, to start playing sports and competing at a high level, again, in my 40s, and how, at 45, I feel fitter, healthier, leaner than I did at 25. Now, we are seeing an increase in type 2 diabetes, heart disease, uh, cancers increasing. I think a lot of this is brought on by stress, and I believe there is a direct, well, we know, we know there's research that shows a direct correlation between how we fuel our bodies, what we put into our gut, how it makes us feel, how it drives certain behaviours, certain ways of thinking, feeling. There is a, a connection between gut health and mental health and the choices that we make, the energy that we have, how we sustain ourselves throughout the day, the week, the month to stay at the optimal level, particularly as a business owner. You know, you're in the game every single day. Athletes, they prepare their minds, they're recharging, they're fueling their bodies, they're trying to find the most optimal nutrition for that one performance on the weekend in team sports or whatever it is they're doing. But as an entrepreneur, you're at it every single day and you need that sustained energy and you need to find a way to make sure that you are cognitively well. And what you eat makes a huge difference to that. And I'm gonna share these three things with you, three things that I did that have dramatically changed my health. So even as an athlete, I let my body slip. You know, I was very much into my sports, but I was losing muscle mass. I was starting to get really bad inflammation in my body, like chronic inflammation, to the point where I couldn't even walk uh, through gouty arthritis, uh, an inflammatory disease essentially, which is associated with the rich man's diet, food and so on. Food does play a vital role, but I think stress also plays a vital role. And I also think what we eat plays a role in stress. So there's this kind of cycle that we can experience. And if we get it wrong, it can lead us down a really bad and rotten path. And I wanna make sure for you that you've got some ways, some tools and techniques and things that I've done that have massively changed my life. And not just my life, my relationship with my in my marriage and my my friends and the way I am with my children because I couldn't even play with my children sometimes you know it was just heartbreaking one of the worst moments of my life where my wrists were so bad that I couldn't build the cot for my our daughter who was about to be born I wanted to get the nursery ready and I was just really embarrassed and I ended up getting angry and falling out with my wife because my wife was asking me to get this bill and I was putting it off because I knew that I just didn't have the the, the strength in my wrists to do it, let alone play hockey. But that was just like a distant memory. I stopped doing that, I couldn't do a push-up. 
I mean, just basic things that now I am doing and more so because of some of the health changes that I've made. And I am going to share those with you, I promise. And so I realized at a point that I needed to change my lifestyle. I started doing some research. I wanted to understand ancestral health. I'd heard about it. I'd heard people talking about the paleo diet. I'd heard people talking about removing certain foods, the elimination diet. And it really intrigued me. And I'm a researcher, so I like to research things. I wouldn't say I'm overly analytical, but I like going into the data. I like going into the literature more than anything. and trying to find out what's really going on here. Are these things fad diets or a new thing. And then I started thinking, well, actually, how can ancestral health be a fad diet when it served us for you know, hundreds of thousands of years and this new way of eating? I mean, some of the foods that we eat today have been invented in the last hundred years. 75% apparently of food that we consume uh, is mostly processed, artificial. It's been created in the last hundred years. So I wanted to get back to stripping or stripping back to our basic fundamental needs. It's like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know, all these different things that level up, but actually the basics of, of water and food and seeing food as fuel, not as something that I have an emotional connection with. And I think growing up in a bakery as a child and being surrounded by cakes and the smell and everything else, there was definitely some comfort there. And that, I think that actually embedded itself eating lots of sweets, and then as I got older, you know, we have these other things like pizza and all amazing foods, don't get me wrong. Will I never eat pizza again? I don't know, but, you know, I'm not saying you can never eat pizza again. But these foods, they're just something about them that, that I don't know if marketers know it, they know how to put certain ingredients in them that make them addictive, versus just getting right back to basics of eating meat and veg. And if you're a vegetarian or vegan, but getting back to basics, I appreciate that. But I am a huge fan of, of the basics of meat and veg. I think they are the, the kind of, whether it's plant-based or animal-based, these two foods are at the center of everything we should, should be doing when it comes to food. So I've learned I don't want to call it keto because people refer to it as a ketogenic diet or paleo. I prefer not to. You might hear me say keto sometimes because... People just understand it. They understand what the ketogenic diet is for the most part. But essentially, it's a very high-fat diet, the ketogenic diet. It's low-carb, and in some cases, it's very low-carb, so less than 50 grams, and moderate protein. So it's not lots and lots of protein. I've actually done the carnivore diet as well, and that, that was awesome. I felt amazing on it, but I'm not sure if it's sustainable. And also, I'm not sure. I'm still on the fence with people that have perhaps a kidney problem, which uh, people with gout and inflammation in their body sometimes do have a bit of a kidney problem. And I think overwhelming a kidney with too much protein can still be a problem. Even though my understanding is there isn't any research that shows that protein, high protein, has a problem on the kidney. But if you've got a bad kidney, I would be uh, careful with that. So for me, moderate protein works really well for me, not consuming loads. I've done carnival diet, and like I said, it was amazing. I've played high-performance high sports on the carnival diet, so literally zero carb, not a vegetable, not a piece of fruit, just meat. I did have eggs, but just, just meat for the most part. So, so there are, for me, were huge benefits, but I've learned that what's more sustainable, as I mentioned earlier, is getting back to just meat and veg or meat and salad, you know, nice, colorful food, so it's, there's still a level of entertainment with the food and making the food. One of the things I did love about the carnivore diet is just that you put it on and it's done, you eat it, and there's no real emotional attachment to it apart from the fact a, a fatty ribeye for me is just 
amazing. Never got bored of, of that. But I like to mix it up now with some salmon, and I like to mix it up with different types of meat. So I still have a little bit of chicken. I, I still think beef is the most bioavailable food we can eat. It's, it's just a brilliant source of nutrition. I think it's, you know, if you do the research, despite what people say about meat and red meat and its links to cancer, it's really tenuous. I mean, I, one of the statistics, for example, is that 20% more people, or there's an increase in 20% risk of cancer, you have a 20% risk, you have a 20% increased risk of cancer if you eat red meat. One, they don't take into consideration all the other foods that people eat. So meat eaters eating fries and soda drinks and smoking and all the different things that come with, with it. So they just looked at meat eaters. And the other thing was it actually went from 0.5 to 0.6. So that was the 20%, which is negligible really. So even though that people were still consuming really bad stuff with that meat potentially, it still was pretty pretty low amount. So... I mean, there are also the environmental things that people talk about, and even that, I think, is being debunked now. Uh, this idea, I think that I don't want to get too conspiracy-focused, or I don't want to go on a kind of, kind of conspiracy path around the impact of emissions and so on. So let's just leave that. Let's park that one for another time. Leave that to Paul Saladino, who is the carnivore man. And let's get back to just health and being healthy. So there are three things I want to share with you. The first one is, if you are looking to lose weight, if you're looking to improve your health, follow the process, not the results. A lot of people I work with, entrepreneurs, when we talk about body and health, they get really disheartened because they're focused on losing weight, they're focused on getting lean, and they, they, every day they look at themselves and think, well, I'm not getting any leaner, or they go on the scales and I'm not losing any weight. One thing I want you to think about is, one thing I want you to think about is that it, this is as much hormonal as it is what we put in our body. And I'm a big believer in epigenetics, expressing our genes, and through food, we can express our genes in a completely different way. You know, the joke in my family is I got gout from my dad. It was the only thing he left me when he died was gout. And that's a familial sort of inheritance, you know, the familial genes. I inherited the familial genes. But actually, through changing what I eat, removing processed foods, stripping it back, I started to express my genes in a very different way. My body shape started to change. I started to notice I was getting more defined. I noticed I was getting more V-shaped. I was starting to look more like our Homo sapien ancestors than anybody in the last 100 years, or people that I looked at. When I was 17, 18, 19, I just, had, just didn't have the physique. People used to make fun of my physique because I looked like I had an old man's physique. It was just not the right shape. It was like a bag of skin. But I, and I had to work so hard to get strong and loads of bench press and squats and watching what I eat. Now I don't, I don't really care. I just eat meat and veg, eliminate all the crap, and I swing the kettlebell every now and then, which le leads me to my next train, which leads me to my next point, which is don't overtrain. If you are training to get lean and strong, just remember that your body shape, your composition happens in the kitchen, not in the gym. So focus on keeping it simple. Lift heavy once or twice a week. Go for walks every day, do your push-ups, your squats, move the body, focus on movement and, and mobility because that will improve strength. You don't have to be hitting the CrossFit gym every single day to get fit and lean. Just follow the process, eat well, eliminate the crap. So, which leads me to my third point, which is eliminate sugar, eliminate grains, eliminate alcohol. Now, I appreciate you might love your alcohol, you might love your sandwiches, but if you really want change in your body, if you really want to feel amazing, if you want to be more productive, if you want to be more alert, if you want to avoid the emotional roller coasters of ups and downs, 
then I strongly recommend eliminating those three things. Grains, sugar, alcohol. Even if you do it for 21 days, a month, 90 days, if you come into our program on the Mastermind, you can eliminate it for 90 days, it'll be one of your targets. I strongly recommend it. You will not look back. Of course, I've relapsed over the years and I've suffered as a consequence, not just with my arthritis, but even just cognitively, feeling groggy, brain fog or grain fog, as it's also known as. I can't remember the name of the author. I have to check that out. I'll put it in the notes. He wrote the, the sort of grain brain, you know, because of this food that causes leaky gut, which can also lead to inflammation in the body. So grains can cause leaky gut. Now, I come from a family of bakers, right? So the first person that told me bread wasn't healthy was my father. And he said to me, just look at what we put in it. Look at the ingredients. Not good for you. So, but marketing, marketing is very, very powerful. And it makes us believe that these things are wholesome and nutritious. But there's nothing in it that's good. Even whole grain, whole grain, whole grain is in some ways worse for us. It can be worse for us. So I promise you. If you are struggling, if you are pre-diabetic, if you are uh, struggling with your waist, if you're struggling with brain fog, you're feeling lethargic, you, you don't have the energy, your back's hurting, I would consider looking at this. You know, speak to a doctor first. I'm not prescribing this, but I do believe it makes a big difference. In fact, there's another thing I would recommend, which is fasting, but not extreme fasting or even 16-8. If you could take a break from food for a minimum of 12 hours, minimum, if you could do 13 hours, I think that could make a big difference. When you get to 16, 8 and that kind of thing, that's a whole different ballpark. I personally don't. I like to eat three times a day. I like to have my eggs in the morning around 8 o'clock. I like to have lunch. I like to have dinner. But that's it. I don't snack in between. I like my coffee in between every now and then, but not too much. So try it because if you are increasing in weight and you are at risk of type 2 diabetes, if you're at risk of heart disease from stress and consuming the wrong foods, you will pay the price, and I've seen it too many times. So if you want to level up, make a difference. And if you are looking, if you're looking to really make some change happen, remember, I run the Four Keys Workshop every month. Message me, subscribe, whatever it takes. Get into the ecosystem. Learn about the Four Keys Method. It will change your life. It will transform you. And as I said, I run the workshop every month. Fourkeysworkshop.com. Sign up. It's completely free and I will see you there. It is saving and changing lives. Take care for now. Subscribe, hit the bell, get notified, and also subscribe to the Scale Without Burnout podcast on iTunes and Spotify, and you get updated every single day. Take care until next time. Thank you for listening to the Scale Without Burnout podcast. For more free resources and content on how to grow and lead your business and become the best version of yourself, head over to andrewsillito.com.